0: So in this day and age, there's always new and exciting treatments and medications available for patients with complex and advanced medical needs. But with these new and innovative treatments and medication comes an enhanced need for additional monitoring for safety and efficacy to make sure it's all doing what it's supposed to do. So how do you manage all those moving parts, the tests, the interpretation, the data crunching, the communication, not to mention the actual engaging with the patient who's receiving the medication and the treatment along the way as well. So my guest today is all across this complex process and is helping to make it all go smoothly using some pretty cool technology under the hood to make it all happen. I'm talking with David Garn, the Chief Commercial Officer of RXMX about the technology they use so they can do the heavy lifting to help healthcare practitioners to focus more on understanding and achieving the best results for patients. Let's cue the intro. Welcome to Talking Health Tech with Peter Burge, a podcast featuring conversations with key players and influencers to promote innovation and collaboration for better healthcare enabled by technology. With me today is David Garn, the Chief Commercial Officer at RxMx. In this role, David looks after sales, marketing, and product development of RxMx across their global markets. He was previously the founding CEO of RxMx for four years, and he's got a wealth of pharmaceutical industry experience, and he's previously responsible for developing brand plans for international adaption, as well as driving the introduction and success of blockbuster drugs and therapies. Hey, David, how are you going? I'm
1: great. Thanks, Pete. Thanks for having me on board.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Great to chat about what you do with RxMx and all the problems that you're solving. So let's get cracking. Tell us about yourself. Firstly, David, what's your background?
1: Spent most of my career working inside the pharmaceutical industry. I really specialised in launching new medications for the bulk of my career. And the challenges. That come with those new medications are very wide and very varied and you know my role was really to understand complex medications and the challenges that will be faced from both physicians and patients in using and keeping patients safe on this medication and then having a successful commercial launch for the pharma company. I really do a lot of my work in the specialty space of, um, of MS but also in other sort of specialty areas outside of that as well. Pretty fascinating stuff and I uh, spent a lot of time working in the support area of that as well, in terms of looking after the patient support style programs or, or onboarding and, and so HCP support as well.
0: Ah, got you. Cool, excellent. And so RXMX, let's get into a bit more detail. Then the spiel. What is it? Who's it for? What problems does it solve?
1: It's a great story because when I was uh, working on a new product launch for a pharmaceutical company, we had very complex medication that required a lot of ongoing monitoring. And part of the solution was really sort of looking at digital technologies to do this. And through one of our advisory boards, I met some physicians who had some ideas around how they potentially could support some of these patients and actually support the, the, the product itself in terms of ongoing uh, you know, adherence to the monitoring. And the um, physicians actually proposed a study. So it was called an IIT, which is an investigator-initiated trial where the idea was really to put together, can automation solve this complex monitoring solution? And really the reality is it did. And um, it, we were very successful with the launch of that software with the product launch. And subsequently the team that the doctors who were sort of behind that concept, this is Professor Michael Barnett, Professor Sean Remington and Professor Steve Riddell, they sort of, we worked very closely together to develop it and sort of maybe six to 12 months after the product launch uh, they sort of said, you know, this is a great idea. It's got legs, but we need some inside help to get it off the ground. So that was the, the start of RXMX for me was in October 2015, and um, it was myself and one nurse when we joined the business, and a and, and, and one file in the Dropbox. So it was a really, really <laughs> interesting time for coming out of coming out of big pharma, where I had you know the world at your feet and every resource under the sun to uh, help you with your daily role.
0: Yeah, and you built it up to what it is now. So how big is the company now? Just give some perspective.
1: So we're across three major regions, the US, Europe, and Australia. We're sort of sitting around that 75, 80 people. And, you know, we've got global clients that, you know, we service around the world. We're in multiple countries and we're expanding into probably another five or six this year, hopefully. So it's incredibly quick growth um it's not without its challenges but we've been very very fortunate to get to where we have been with you know with the support of our clients you know they're very they've really seen the innovation and they've been able to help us sort of expand across the world with them
0: so tell us a bit more about the how it's done or, or in fact the evidence behind some of the stuff you've done in building up and kind of providing confidence around the platform that you use what's been done to kind of demonstrate the effectiveness of it all
1: Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, we did a clinical study and that is now published. And the real takeaway from the clinical study was that in the real-world setting, this information was being... So the pathology was being sent back to the physician via fax. Yes, and fax is still very much used in health these days, still today, and to their EMRs. And that normally takes somewhere between a week or real time but it also relies on the doctor going in and making sure it's there. So no one's telling them the doctor is there. It either appears or they look through their uh, in tray. And um, there was a, it was part of our study that one of the physicians was actually on a trip, uh, skiing in the mountain. And our system basically in real time sent them a message because what our system does is actually reads the pathology automatically using these HL7 files, and then we then create an alert algorithm based on the product information. And all of this sort of sounds a little bit complicated. I'll explain it to you in a second. But then that physician gets a real-time message saying, hey, there's a patient who's got this potential issue with this particular product. You need to take action. And then they can take action basically instantly on top of that. So the way I sort of like to explain it and to make it sort of a little bit more real is, you know, Peter, you've gone to the doctor and you ever got a blood test before?
0: Loads of them. And yeah,
1: (laughs) Yeah. and so you, you often go what happened with that blood test? Am I okay? Like, what was the result of that blood test? Why did I get the blood test? And you're sort of thinking, did the doctor ever get it back? Did it ever result ever come back? And you're often sort of wondering what's going on. And what our system does is we integrate directly with the pathology companies. We get a copy of that result, and then our system will read it in real time and then send out an alert to the patient, to the physician, to the patient's you know potential partner or carer, and to the physician's support team, to say, hey, that results in, and A, there's no results of concern, which we often send to the patient, but not the physician because they don't want to be over alerted. But also, B, there's something that has been actually identified in your results and you need to take steps one, two, and three. So it really is connecting the dots and making it real time. So the patient feels like they're a lot more connected with their own treatment journey, is really sort of the words that we use. And they feel empowered to sort of take ownership of their health. And the physician is also supported and understanding that this information is getting looked at with a second pair of eyes when they may be on holidays or they may be skiing or they may be, you know, doing something completely other than being a doctor because you can't be a doctor 24-7.
0: Yeah, no, totally. Help me understand where it fits in that whole kind of cycle of things. So are you dealing with the pathology companies or with the primary care physicians? Like who's the customer for RXMX actually?
1: It's a very good point. And one of our physicians often talks about the five wins, right? And it's not... The five wins is basically who our customers are. So the customer is people who get the benefit are the physician, which is a win. We've got to build a system that works for the physician. We've got to build a system that works for the patient. We've got to build a system that works for the regulators and making sure that we're implementing what the regulators want. We've got to build a system that's commercially viable for us. And we've actually got to build a system that supports what the pharmaceutical company needs. So we see ourselves with sort of these sort of five win scenarios. The payer is the pharmaceutical company, but the win the real users and the people who get the most out of this system are the physicians because they are feeling confident that their patients are going to be safer and more, you know, I guess essentially looked after, for lack of a better word, that on when they're using these systems. They've got a second pair of eyes, which is a computer, overseeing and understanding what's going on with these complicated and somewhat challenging patients at times.
0: Yeah, cool. It doesn't sound like then the GP, the Aussie GP that's within the clinic, they wouldn't log into your system or anything like that. They just get a little notification that says, hey, there's something you need to act on.
1: So yeah, good point. Obviously, there's lots of different physicians in the world. The GP is obviously the primary carer. We're really working in this specialty space, which is more of a specialist, so your cardiology, your neurology, your oncologist, your dermatologist, the other sorts of area. But we Our system has an interconnected system where our physicians can actually delegate their patients to other physicians, and that can be the GP if they're involved in a primary setting, um, or it could be another specialist. So we don't sort of discriminate from a GP to another specialist. Any physician can use our system. It just depends on that patient disease state and how that patient is being managed by their specialist and or GP.
0: And so in terms of then building the platform and the partnerships that you've built, and I know that you've got a partnership with InterSystems as well. How does that all connect together and work and how do you work together?
1: Yeah, so InterSystems is basically our, we use their Iris for Health platform we have built our proprietary system which we call chameleon and chameleon has its particular name because our products take on the brand look and feel so if a brand x it'll look like brand x if it's brand y it'll look like brand Y. so it is very adaptable but one of the big advantages with chameleon it really is being able to scale at a global level and, you know, we have to provide this solution to customers all around the world, and we needed a platform that can do that. And, and this RS for Health platform has been a great option. It's very reliable, very scalable, and it's very fast. So with large amounts of data that we have sitting in cloud-based scenarios, and we look, we talk a lot about this interoperability, and this is one of the big features that the RS for Health platform has, is the ability to have these sort of connections to other vendors like Pathology or EMRs or sort of health wearable sort of devices. So it seems a lot of makes sense at the time. We, we definitely fell into the relationship because that was just what our initial developer was using at the time. And me not being a, a technology expert was, we just thought this is great, let's continue to work. and. They've been a great partner to date and, yeah, we're really happy with the platform and it's got some great options for us.
0: Yeah. I've heard lots of good stories of people who've worked with the InterSystems guys and they're very much, you know, behind the scenes, but they make a lot of connections a lot easier for these platforms too. So there's a lot of good stories that come out of that. Yeah, and just shifting gears a bit to then more around the commercialization side or the marketing side of things and getting it in front of people and making them aware of the product. It's always a challenge when you've got different stakeholders involved and it's hard to find how, and particularly if you're coming from the pharma side of things, so marketing anything is always, you know, there's a lot of complexities. How did you go about the marketing of your platform within the healthcare setting?
1: It was a really challenging time, to be honest. And one of the big challenges we had is how do we actually articulate something that hasn't never been done before in a fashion that actually is translatable to other medications? We solved a solution for one drug. And, you know, it was quite widely known in the area that, hey, you guys did an amazing job with this product and, you know, you solved this amazing solution,
0: but our product
1: doesn't have that. We don't need that. And that's what we came up to all the time. We don't have that same problem. Your solution isn't required. Your solution isn't needed. And, you know, there's pros and cons, right? Every drug, if you solve one drug's problems, you can solve those same problems anywhere in the world. So you've immediately got a global market, but every drug is different. But there are some common similarities between all the medications. There's always adherence problems. There's often safety problems. There's often monitoring problems. But they're always very different. So being able to create a solution and this sort of product, which we obviously we call Chameleon now, to be able to be flexible enough and dynamic enough to say, "Hey, um, customer Y, you've got a this problem, and our solution can solve it by doing A, B, and C." And then you know, customer customer B, you've got this problem. And our solution can do it by solving you know, LMNOP for you as well. And, and that's, that's the challenge. And it's not something that you can sort of walk off the street and sell. And I often say to our customers, we're not selling shoes and socks. We're not just selling a pair of socks. Hey, what size are you? Here it is. We very much have to understand the challenges of each of the medications. And that's where RxMx is very different in terms of a lot of the other vendors. We do an extremely deep dive on the product itself, Every product comes with a set of guidelines called a product information or a CMI or a risk management plan. And what we do is we take the time because we're a clinician-led business, we take the time to understand all of the unique challenges that that product will have, and then we'll go around designing and creating a solution that will be bespoke to the drug but can be used in many settings across the, the platform. If that makes sense mm. so we we can't have a business model where we're designing just one-off solutions because we'll basically kill ourselves in in maintenance but we needed to be able to build a, a product that could essentially solve multiple program problems for these drugs and and really that's what we've been doing in the last sort of 12 to 18 months um and it's 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 complicated like it really is quite a complicated setting because the drug companies themselves don't even go into this much depth when they're talking about marketing a product at times. So you know, there's a brand manager who may have been a, a sales rep or a, or, a, or a some other role previously. There's no university course for being a brand manager at uh, for a pharmaceutical company. There's the, the marketing one hundred ones really just don't apply to launching medications. And you know, you re- it is really an interesting field when you really got to unpack the challenges, then you've got to build it back out for them and work with them really closely to basically help them launch this medication and using this technology has proven to be very, very successful where we've done it, you know, in unison with the brand launch. And that's something that we've been really proud of.
0: Something that I've come across a bit, and I know others within the Talking Health Tech community struggle with as well within healthcare and creating technology for healthcare. Obviously, you talked a bit about the challenges around medication, but even creating software or technology solutions within healthcare, like you say, there's a lot of bespoke problems to solve, but you need to do it in a scalable and you know with a global mindset in view. So delving just a bit deeper on that, then thinking about how you've gone about that with rxmx how did you go about growing the business while at the same time developing new systems they're two very different trains to kind of be on so that must be pulling you in a few directions
1: it really has it's been a really wild ride and i can think back to uh i was this is probably a christmas party and you know probably three years ago four years ago now and I was sitting in the back of the cab with one of our lead developers and I said, oh, we just don't have enough developers, right? We just, we can't keep up with the work. We need more developers. And he looked at me and said, no, you need a better product and you don't need more people. You need a solution. And I was like, oh, and that was sort of a light bulb yeah. moment for me to say, actually, we need to be able to create this product that can do this. And at the same time, we wanted to sort of work flexibly enough so that we can create our own product, but not putting enough red tape around us so we can't actually scale quickly so you know it was it was definitely a balancing act and at the same time we launched our european program the gdpr basically uh, regulation came into effect as well so it was lots and lots of balls of the air and and one of the things that i really admire around the the physicians who work in the company like so the other co-founders is that you know we never cut corners and we wanted to do things the right way and our reputation in the industry is much more important than a a quick dollar. So we went out and did things properly. We went out and we hired the right people to go out and get all the ISO regulations. So we are ISO certified for 27001, 13485, and 9001. So that's for a little company to have three certifications within the first five years of its its existence is pretty nice. We also follow under the HIPAA compliance rules and also the GDPR compliance rules, and we also... um, have a class one device under the fda rules and also in in europe so we 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 make sure we really understand the regulatory requirement needs and we make sure we really get that understood properly but we also i mean for me it's really empowering the people to do the job when we first started it was literally myself and a single nurse and we originally had an outsourced it team and for me that was the biggest risk because we didn't have control over our own product we didn't have our control over our own systems and so we eventually took, made the decision to bring all of that in-house so we had much greater control, much greater visibility, and much greater ability to be able to scale up and sort of expand out. I mean, for me, it's been a very, very bumpy ride. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing that's perfectly smooth, but at the end of the day, we have achieved quite a lot in a, in a sort of a small amount of time. But, yeah, it's definitely not without its challenges.
0: Wow. And so I was just reflecting on the amount of ISO accreditations and the HIPAA stuff and the GDPR, all of that within a five-year period. That's pretty impressive. So well done. Sorry, I just thought I'd uh, reflect yeah. on that one for a 2nd we <laughs> You've also got to
1: throw on that the pharma companies audit us pretty much every yeah. year as well. All right. So Good on you. No,
0: that's great. It's the, the pharma companies
1: have very, very high standards, so they should, and they hold have very, very high standards, and their global teams and their procurement teams and their sort of the, the things you've got to go do to be able to you know work with these companies is you've got to be the best in class and one of our customers have this sort of regular meeting where they have these new vendors come along and they said to us before we went to the meeting this is where vendors come and die essentially <laughs> because no one passes this process and we were very fortunate to pass first time, but it's because of all the hard work that the team has done in the background to make sure our documentation, all of our standards are up to scratch and that we do have a system that's viable for this market.
0: Excellent. That gives hope and inspiration to others going through similar processes in (laughs) in that dip. Uh, Just thinking around, you'd obviously have a lot of data flying around within your systems and that would be obviously quite important to you. Tell us a bit more about the data and why it's special or unique so
1: data is incredibly important but but data's you know this is patient's personal information this is their disease state this is their pathology results so you know it's 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 incredibly important to keep this safe this is the number one identified risk factor for us for our potential demise is a data leak and you know exposing of this potential you know PHI information so yeah, you know, we take this stuff incredibly seriously. And again, this is why we did all our ISO certifications. But you know, we we are very respectful of the information. The pharma companies never see any PHI information. You know, we we are very um, careful in what we do with the information, um, and we obviously store it to all the all the you know, international sends that are required to in each of the countries we work at because they're all they all slightly vary as well from country to country. But yeah, I mean it's amazing what we the analysis that we can run and one of the great sort of scenarios where our customer got some great value from it is um a regulatory body the fda came to them and said oh we think that this product needs a label update and you need to change the label to reflect you know a b and c essentially and they came to us and said well what what's a b and c going to do to our label, and what's that going to mean for this program, and what's it going to mean to the patients and physicians using this program? And we could run in the result and say, well, if you did A, B, and C, you're actually not going to find any adverse, additional adverse events, and you're not going to actually, all you're going to do is increase alerting by thirty percent, and you're going to annoy physicians, annoy patients who are potentially using the system. And we went back to them with a solution after looking through the data instead sort of giving them an idea to say, hey. But if you did this and went back with a data-driven solution back to the FDA, you could actually sort of talk them out of that and potentially work with a solution that would actually add value instead of just an arbitrary number that someone's pulled out of the air. So that was a real case example that worked very well for our customer and and they got a real result that made a better outcome instead of just this an arbitrary number that someone just plucked out of the air of 30%, which made no sense.
0: Great example. Hey, look, thinking to the early and budding med tech companies that are just starting out and looking for inspiration from others, obviously you've trod a bit of a path ahead. What advice would you give to others that are just kind of starting out to other med tech companies?
1: It's, yeah, it's a great question. It's a really it's a really hard one to answer because, you know, everyone's solving something different and everyone's trying to work a different angle. I think for me, bottom line is the reason why we were successful. Is that we've got a very diverse skill set of people you know i came from the pharmaceutical industry we've got physicians who work as doctors on a daily basis we've got nurses who work with patients on a daily basis we've got graphic ux ui designers who specialize in healthcare and technology we've got specialist engineers who work in building these software solutions for health tech And we empower them to provide solutions to us. And one of the things that I always said to everyone is that, you know, I'm hiring you because you're an expert in your role. I'm not an expert in my role. The doctors are, you know, the doctors are expert at being doctors. And we have to come together, create a solution that's sort of across everybody. And for me, it was diversity and basically understanding all of the different challenges and understanding all of our key stakeholders and, and bringing people in to support that. I mean, for me, that would be the biggest thing that we did right and we argue all the time in a productive fashion around why we should put a button here or why we should send an alert this way and what's the implication of that alert and everyone's got their viewpoint but we come together to work for a common goal and that's sort of what makes us a bit different and we we got some feedback from our customers the other day and they were like well why did you choose us to work with you and they were like well you just approach it very differently you've got our interest at heart you've got the physicians' interest at heart, and you've got our patients' interest at heart, and no other vendor really comes to it in that way. We're we're solving problems for pharmaceutical companies. If you're solving problems for someone else, then you know I think that's that's a, a you can take that lesson somewhere else potentially. And the other fact that I would really sort of touch on is that it, you've got to be able to share data. It's all about this interoperability. And sharing information because not one person can do it all, not one company can do it all. It's impossible. There's so many facets to healthcare. It's so incredibly complicated, um, and I think data sharing and, and ensuring that you know we can do that properly and in, in, in the right fashion is going to be the future. And Don't think you've got to have a closed loop system that's a, it's all yours and no one else's.
0: Great advice there. And just thinking around that interoperability side of things and the connectivity and thinking back to what you said around inter-systems before, is there more kind of stuff that you're planning on doing with them moving into the future?
1: Yeah, we're definitely looking at more stuff inside of things around the AI capabilities. We're actually sort of half, well, we're more than halfway through. We're actually pushed a reduction AI capabilities for ensuring that we don't miss any adverse events. Um, adverse events is incredibly important for a pharmaceutical industry. And making sure you don't miss any. We're also looking at looking at real time data and ensuring we're getting these um, results, and we can actually get better information back to our client, so they can get more information around in, improving efficiencies, improving patient safety, and you know, just essentially just sort of spotting trends so we can so we can actually sort of pick things before they happen, spotting potential where patients may potentially drop off the medication before they you know before they would, and looking for reasons why, and you know. That's, that to me is a really exciting area, and I think there are some people doing that in this space at the moment, but I think that's where we want to go to. Um, and the other one is really scaling and using, this, using this, our platform and using Chameleon and actually growing it at a rate of knots where we can sort of really you know, put the hammer down and, and you know, really hopefully make a difference. And that's why we sort of started this business is to really make a difference in patient safety and, and make that across the world.
0: And so lastly, then for RXMX as the company more broadly, what's on the horizon? What can we look forward coming from you guys in 2021 and beyond?
1: So we've got some really exciting news. We've just closed an engagement with a private equity firm, HEMBA, who are based in Sydney, and we're really excited to have them on board. And their strategy really is now to help us grow internationally, um, hopefully acquire some new businesses and expand throughout the US and Europe. It's um, you yeah, we're really excited to have a, a company like Pemba who are, have got a, a history of the, the sort of technology plays where they're sort of in buy and build and then sort of, you know, scaling them up. And, and that's something that myself and the team are really excited to have on board and, and have the backing of a private equity company like Pemba is. Is a great boost of confidence for us and it's also for our clients as well they're really excited to hear that we're going to be able to grow and scale at a much faster rate so yeah 2021 is going to be a great year for us and you know the next few years is really exciting
0: Amazing. Well, congratulations. Looking forward to seeing that growth from RxMx. And I'll put some information in the show notes about RxMx, but also for intersystems as well for those that want to check out some of the interoperability stuff that and in the interconnecting things. So check that out on the website for more information if you're after it. But David, look, thank you so much for making the time and good luck with everything that's happening this year.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much, Pete, for having me. And it uh, sounds good.
0: Thanks for listening to the show.